Welcome to Friends and Fiction, four New York Times bestselling authors, endless stories. Novelists Mary Kay Andrews, Kristen Harmel, Christy Woodson Harvey, and Patty Callahan Henry are four longtime friends with more than 70 published books between them. Together, they host Friends and Fiction with author interviews and fascinating insider talk about publishing and writing to highlight and support independent bookstores. They discuss the books they've written, the books they're reading now, and the art of storytelling. If you love books and you're curious about the writing world, you're in the right place. Hello, hello, ladies. Good to see your smiling faces again. It's been a long break. This is great to be back. So it is Wednesday night and it is time for Friends in Fiction. We are so glad to be back with you live, kicking off our spring-summer 2023 season after a two-week break. So let's get rolling because we have two amazing guests to get to tonight and lots to celebrate. I'm Kristen Harmel. I'm Christy Woodson-Harvey. I'm Patty Callahan-Henry. And I'm Mary Kay Andrews. And this is Friends and Fiction, four New York Times bestselling authors, endless stories to support independent bookstores, authors, and librarians. Tonight, we'll be welcoming our friends Brenda Novak and Alka Joshi. Now, we usually start the evening off with a few announcements, but tonight we're going to do things, I'm going to switch it up a little bit because we're catching our friend Brenda Novak in the middle of her tour. And P.S., she's driving around the country in her Airstream. She's got a hard out. As There it is. Isn't it cute? Yeah. At 720 tonight. So let's get right to Brenda. After we chat with Brenda, we will do a bit of catching up among ourselves and with you before we welcome our second guest of the evening, Alka Joshi. So without further ado, let's welcome Brenda, the New York Times and USA Today bestselling author of several novels, including Summer on the Island, the bookstore on the beach, and the just published The Seaside Library. I love how it says several, like she's written like seven. <laughs> you know? She's written, I don't know. We're going to have like to ask her when she comes. Yeah. Yeah. Brenda's novels have won many awards, including eight Rita nominations, the Book Buyer's Best, the Bookseller's Best, the Silver Bullet, and the National Reader's Choice Award. Brenda and her husband, Ted, live in Sacramento and are proud parents of five children, three girls and two boys. When she's not spending time with her family or writing, Brenda is usually playing pickleball or raising funds for diabetes research in honor of her youngest son. So far, Brenda has raised $2.6 million for this incredibly worthy cause. Sean, can you bring Brenda on? Hey, Brenda. Brenda. Thank you for having me tonight. Well, we're glad you're here. Let's start with the elephant or the Airstream in the room. You're currently on a two-month traveling bookstore tour across the United States from Sacramento to Connecticut in that Airstream to celebrate the release of the Seaside Library, which just came out last week. And I'm going to be with you next Friday night in Atlanta. So tell us about this tour. Where did the idea come from and how's it going on the road so far? And have you filed for divorce yet? (laughs) we're still hanging tight but my husband has been so patient and kind because he um has turned into barista ted so he's making fun different coffee drinks and everything for everybody and we got this idea when alexa my daughter who works for me first of all i have to apologize for the noise we're having a hailstorm out of nowhere in oklahoma city where i am so if it gets loud i can't control it i'm sorry it's ice hitting the airstream but anyway we got the idea in i was probably last october and alexa said mom you should renovate an Airstream and take it on tour for the Seaside Library. And I was like, there's no way I would do that because I have no idea where to even get an Airstream <laughs> or who I would ask to renovate it. Ted's not a do-it-yourselfer kind. He's a salesman, you know, outgoing extrovert kind of guy. And so my, but then he pipes up at this point and he said, Brenda, you know, Mike Seipel just down the street sold his house and bought a big piece of property and they sold their business, which was a gymnastics um, business. They sold that so that he could have space to renovate vintage airstrips. I mean, unbelievable. The of that blew my mind. So then I said, but what are the chances he has one a, that I can afford, that'll be the right size that that's stripped down that he could renovate into a bookstore. Cause you know, you'd have to rip out the shower and on, and all the stuff that's in it and throw it away if if you're not going to use it. And so Ted said, well, we can call him. So we called him up and he said, I've got the perfect little 1963 globe trotter. It's only 19 feet long. 
already stripped down to the nubs so I can build it into anything you want. And I think I can fit you in and get it done by the time you go on tour. So at that point, oh it was just serendipity. I had to do it. I, mean, I felt like it fell right into my lap, especially when Ted, of course, agreed. He said, I'll, I'll take two months off and drive you. We'll make, you know, we've always wanted to go across the country and see America. And so we'll just do it all at once. Love wow. Oh, that's awesome. Well, Brenda, before we dive in with the questions, you'll have to give us, can you give us a quick little glimpse inside the interior oh, of the yeah. airstream? Okay. This, I, it, the glare of the sun coming through, sorry, but this is kind of the, the books. Um, there's a little bit of junk in the way because we're still unpacking, but then you got the bookshelves, you've got the kind of a little store at the end with merch and the door and the coffee shop. So cool. So amazing. A cute little sitting area. So it's just a real fun. And then on the ceiling, Alexa didn't think when we finished it, I don't know if you can see that. She didn't think it had enough character. And I agreed. It was white. <laughs> it was pretty. It was bright. But she's like, we need to do something with this. And so they, when they delivered a box of my books, it broke open on the travel. You know, we're having terrible weather in California. It broke open. It looked like the truck ran over it about five times. And so we thought well, they were just destroyed. And she's like, no, no, no. I'll save the pages and I'll decoupage them onto the ceiling. And so these That's are really actually cool. pages from the seaside library up there. That's oh awesome. my it's gosh. Amazing. I love it. It is so cool. And that's just the perfect touch. I, I absolutely love it. Thank All right. You. So diving in to talk about your book, because we know that your time is limited. Many of us are fortunate to have had long time or childhood friends. And in the Seaside Library, you give us a little twist on the formula. So you introduce us to Ariana and Ivy and their best guy friend, Cam, giving us what seems like a potential romantic triangle. But it seems like this book is about old friends and old secrets. Can you talk to us a little bit about how the idea for this book took shape. Yeah, you know, I just love stories where there is something that people are guarding. And, and most people are guarding a secret of some sort. And so it just gives kind of a delicious forward momentum to your story. And I really wanted to explore the themes of uh, not only friendship, but loyalty. You know, how far do we go for friendship? When do we cross the line when we're trying to protect somebody? Um, in this story, you know, that these three are especially close because they live on an island. And so you get this huge influx of, of tourists every summer, but nothing's, everything's transitory. Nothing seems to stay. And these friends stay, they're year rounders and they're tight. And so it is something, it comes very natural to them to try and protect Cam when he is, um, when suspicion falls on him, when a girl goes missing. And, but then they have to, you know, 20 years later when that body shows up and other things come out that they have to wonder, did we do the right thing? Do we come forward now? Will that only make him look more guilty because we lied before. Yeah. Could an innocent person go to prison because of what we've done? Are we denying the family of the girl who went missing justice? Should we have spoken up sooner? So they have to deal with a lot of morally gray areas. Ooh, mm. I love that. So good. Okay. I want to talk about the setting, but before I do, I really want, so are you dragging it? Are you not dragging it? Are you pulling it behind an RV or a truck? How is the Airstream driving? I'm pulling it behind a truck. And that's what this thing kind of snowballed into one thing after another. Like, let's <laughs> I'm like, oh, what am I going to pull it with? So then they had to go buy a truck. And then we're like, well, wait a second. <laughs> the books are going to get all wet when we travel. We better get something to go on top of the truck. So then we got a shell. And, and, and then <sighs> we're like, oh, wait, now you need mud flaps because you're going to throw rocks up on your trailer. And, and so it just, it's so funny. The little laundry list of things. Oh, my gosh. And I'm like, okay, well. Anybody wants to rent an Airstream for their next tour, you know where to go. <laughs> I, was, I mean, because so, I could see that it doesn't have, like, I, there's no steering wheel. It's like, so there's something else involved, too. Yeah, so basically that we're pulling behind it. And then my husband, those signs in the window that you guys showed that picture, I nixed that. He goes, I'm going to get some signs that say honk if you want to buy a book. I'm like, no, absolutely not. Like, I'm gonna, <laughs> that would embarrass me. No, no, no. And then he pulls up in front of our house and he has these bright yellow signs with that wording. And I'm like, no. So I haven't let him put them out. Picture. <laughs> so I'm like, no, he's an extreme extrovert. Like he will talk to anybody. He looks for people to talk to. I'm the type of person that gets on the plane and I like look at my computer so I don't have to talk to anybody because I'm shy. <laughs> oh, it's so cute though. And yeah. obviously we have to buy your book this week so you can climb out of the financial hole you've climmed into right. by buying like yes. the Airstream so, right. truck flaps. Yeah. Right. I think it was the mud flaps that probably put you over the edge. Yeah. I'm just going to guess. Generator 
or maybe it was the coffee machine. Those were four <laughs> grand each and we had to get in two because you have to have redundancy. One already broke. So I'm like, oh my God. yeah, this has been a long laundry list, but it's been so much fun. And people are so excited when they see it. Oh my God. Uh, Texas yesterday when I had my signing. They, it was so funny just to see people walk in off the street and like, what are you guys doing? I mean, I had several guys buy books, um, which was kind of fun for their girlfriends or themselves. I love that. Oh, it's awesome. So you're just, let's get back to the book. So your descriptions of the setting, Mariner's Island, are so evocative. I need to know, is there a real Mariner's? And if there isn't, where was the inspiration so I can go there? Were you able to spend any time there? Yeah, well, you know, um, in, I, I interviewed Nancy Thayer for my online book group, so I traveled to Nantucket to do it. And I had never been to Nantucket, and I absolutely loved it. I mean, everybody who goes to Nantucket loves it. That's why so many authors write about it. But there were so many authors, as I said, already writing about it. I really didn't want to write about Nantucket. I didn't feel like I could be an authority on it after visiting there, you know, for a week. So yeah. I wanted to do something similar, set in a similar location, so you still get that sense of being cut off if it's stormy in the winter and the supply boats not right. being able to get through. Like I liked all of that and I liked the changing of the seasons, um, but I didn't want to use Nantucket exactly. So I created my own. This is a fictional island set near Martha's Vineyard and Nantucket so that I could capitalize on all the cool stuff that happens there, but also put my own spin and touch on it and have, love it. Um, you know, place businesses where I wanted them and stuff. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Yeah, I was curious. If it was this hidden place I'd never heard of, you know. Yeah, I wish. I wish it was real. But have you been to Nantucket? Oh yeah. I mean, who doesn't love Nantucket? Like, yeah, it's, yeah. it's amazing. Yeah. Christy's yeah. going on book tour this summer to Nantucket. That's where I'm launching my book. Yeah. So fun. That'll be great. <laughs> and I was there last, last summer. I got, yeah, maybe last summer. I don't know. The time slips away. Yeah. Okay. Let's go back to the book. Your fiction career, Brenda started with historical romance and then you've expanded into writing straight romance, small town contemporary, romantic suspense, and women's fiction, which is how you categorize the Seaside Library. Do you have a favorite genre? And when you start working on a book, do you know where it will fall in the genre spectrum? Or do you just let your characters and your plot guide you? Well, I, I do know what I'm going to write when I set out to write it, but I'm such an eclectic reader that I tend to be a very eclectic writer. Um, so I, I don't know that I could pick a favorite. I actually love being able to move between them when possible. Um, I absolutely love just writing. I, I haven't had an idea for a, you know, any type of futuristic or um, fantasy yet. That's, that's one that, that I don't really read and I don't feel like I would necessarily gravitate toward that. But any of the others are fair game. I even have a seven book straight historical series that I'm dying to write very much like John Jakes. If you guys read him growing up, like and it's just been percolating back there for like 15 years. And I have research books all over my house. So if I ever get the chance to write it, I'll be, you know, heading off in that direction too. But for now, I'm very happy writing women's fiction. I've really enjoyed it. I'm also still writing romance. I have a trilogy coming out um, this year. As a matter of fact, I'm going to have five releases within a calendar year because they stockpiled my manuscripts to be able to quick release them. So, oh, wow. Yeah. So a lot of releases coming up this year. Wow. Oh, my goodness. You know, I'm interested, you know, in our newsletter, you talked about your fascination with quantum physics and all things space related. So I'm kind of surprised that you don't want to write um, futuristic or space. Yeah, I don't know why that the link isn't there. But when I go to bed every night, I'm watching and Ted hates it. So it's like space documentary <laughs> after space documentary <laughs> just to go to sleep. And, and so that's when he checks out. And I'm like listening to all these lectures on quantum physics. Because I think it's the challenge of trying to figure it out. It's so mind bending. Yeah. Just to think that time might not really be a thing. I mean, that's just so crazy to me. How we feel that forward momentum. And so I'm always kind of trying to figure these things out. And I think, I guess I think with the next lecture, I'll finally get it. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. I'll, I'll never get it. <laughs> Same. I love that. I find it really fascinating too. Okay. And, um, this is, this is not my real question, but this is like a side question. So how many books do you have published right now? Do you know? This is actually a milestone year for me. So not only is it the 25th year since I signed my first contract, this is my 75th book. So two lambs. 75! Wow! wow. That's wow. a lot of work right there, right? Well, that's <laughs> you have some 
secret we do not have. Like Brenda Novak <laughs> is the author of several novels. I was like, oh, I do seventy-five several <laughs> several women's fiction novels. That's how I took it. <laughs> okay, okay, okay. Got it, got it. No, but seventy several dozen is what we should have said. Unbelievable, <laughs> unbelievable. Well, so speaking of that, we know that you are a great friend to Indies, obviously, as you're traveling the country and um, libraries as well. And next Monday starts National Library Week. So it's kind of timely that we're discussing your The Seaside Library this week. So we wanted to ask you if you could share just a little bit about what libraries have meant to you over the years. Well, libraries have been integral to my journey because my mother was not somebody who enjoyed reading. She never read to me as a child. Nobody read to me as a child. I was the youngest of five kids. And um, that wasn't something that happened in my household. But I remember the first time she took me to story time at the library. And I think she did it for babysitting reasons. But I was captivated. I mean, absolutely captivated and begged to go back. Um, I only got to go that one summer. But then when I started school and they started teaching me how to read, I thought it was boring. I hated all that Dick Jane's bought stuff. I hated reading at that point. And then in third grade, my teacher made us go to the school library and we had to check out one book that we had to read that week. And my grade depended on it. And I was definitely interested in getting good grades. So I did what I was supposed to do. And I actually landed on a shelf of classics. And that was when the, my love of reading just took off. I was, I think Jane Eyre was one of the first on the shelf that I grabbed and I was mesmerized and absolutely loved it. And I think that's why I started writing historical when I first started writing, because I just thought that book was in my mind as the perfect book. And so I was going to write. Oh, historical. I love that. What a great, what a, that was, that was such a better answer than I was even expecting. Yeah, <laughs> yes. That's awesome. <laughs> you know, we've got so many live questions coming in. Um, Meg, one, Meg says that Shannon Hanson, we got time for one, I think a quick one. What's Brenda's favorite food on tour that you had so far, Brenda? Oh, my gosh. My favorite is from this. Uh, this was when with Ray Ann Thane, so it would be Vegas. I'm, have, I'm already, everything's blending. <laughs> but in Vegas, we found this little Italian hole in the wall, and they made these cone-shaped. It was almost like uh, if you take a pizza and you roll it into a cone, a, a round pizza thing into a cone, and then you fill it full of spaghetti and gigantic meatballs, and then you oh. put cheese all over the top. It was oh so amazing. I loved it. And the pizza no. from that place was good too. But this cone thing I had never seen before. And I have to tell you my favorite dessert because I'd never seen this before either. In Canyon, Texas, there's a place called the Cake Company of Canyon. And I am drawn to, if there's a chocolate shop or a cake shop or something, <laughs> it's like laser beam for me. I just, <laughs> so as soon as we pulled up, I spotted it and I jumped out of the truck and Ted was like, no, 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 you have to help me set up first. He knew right where I was going. <laughs> and so we went there afterward and they had these gigantic, like uh, really soft chocolate chip cookies. And then they uh. slathered it with like an inch of uh, frosting. And then they crushed up Reese's pieces and mm. Reese's, uh, buttercups and little um, chocolate chips. And then they did this whole, you know, chocolate. Oh, my mouth is watering. Oh, oh my gosh. Literally. Like, yeah. Ted and I, we only got one because they were so big to share. And then the next day, we tried to figure out if Canyon, Texas was on the way back from the hike. And it wasn't <laughs> sure it was. And so we went and got another one. So I would recommend both of those things. Okay. Sugar bomb, man. Sugar bomb. Okay. I have the biggest sweet tooth on the planet. I really I do. I don't know. I might have one bigger. Brenda, yeah. we've loved talking to you. Before we let you go, how do people find out where you're going to be on the Airstream next? Yeah, well, there's an events tab on my website, um, so you can go there. You can also uh, pre-order to get a whole tour package, which is a cute tote that has the Airstream on it and some other mm -hmm. goodies inside, along with the signed book. We pass all of our sales. Those are just pre-orders. We pass all the sales for each stop onto the indie that we're visiting. Um, so it's just a way to, you know, for people to pre-order and we know how many to carry along with us. There's already been one mishap where they didn't get books. So it was a good thing we had them. Um, so it's kind of a good way to go just to keep everybody prepared and on their toes. That's great. All right. I am going to see you on the 28th at Virginia Highlands Books in Atlanta. Patty's going to be with you in Savannah on April 29th at eShavers in Starland. And everybody else in the community, go find Brenda. Look for the yes. so yeah, what day are you going to be at South Main Book Company, Brenda? It's May. Is it May first? Um, no, South Main. Um, that was the one you were going to be with me, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, you're yeah. We had to cut right? that out. We just didn't have time with uh, okay. everything that we were doing. So that one right. we had to. Okay. When we drew the map around the the United States, 
it just kind of cut in enough that it added enough hours. My husband's like, you have to cut that one. So unfortunately I don't get to the map, the the stick you have with the map. I mean, it's crazy. You are going, you are literally doing the whole United States. Yeah. Well, that was funny when we were charting it, you know, we're measuring distances and we had little pins on a gigantic map from a, a office supply. So we'd pin it and then we'd take our string and make sure we could make each stop. And by the time we were done, we lifted it up. We're like, oh my gosh, it was just as if we had drawn an entire outline of the United States. So wow, it's a lot of miles. I don't know. Maybe I was crazy to do it. So far it's worked out. What an adventure. I feel like you need to to write a memoir about it. You got a book signing tonight. We're going to let you go. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you. It was so fun. Thanks, Brenda. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. All right. That was great. Gosh, what a fun idea. We really should rent that Airstream from her and do like a friends in fiction book tour, right? Maybe oh her husband gosh. will drive it for us because I don't think my husband will. That would be so amazing. the other day. Well, the other day, little Will was like, Mom, when I get my permit, can <laughs> can we get like an RV? And he said, this was his idea. He was like, you guys can all, I'll drive you and you can have it wrapped for friends and fiction. And he was like, instead of being on the computer, you guys can drive to wherever your guests are and do signings. And you, oh, we, can set up, we can set up a friends and fiction studio in the back of the RV and we can do all the interviews. Oh my God. I love it. And I was like, Brilliant. I like this idea. This is a good one. I'm in. I'm in. Except for a 16 year old driving an airstream across the country. That gives me palpitations. <laughs> yeah, but I think you it know, sounds super he'll fun. He'll be a great driver. I'm, not I'm sure he will. <laughs> he will. Okay. All right. So we are excited to get to Alka Joshi, but first, a few quick messages from us, and then we're going to be doing a special toast. So make sure to grab your beverage of choice to join us. So you know that we're here to bring you incredible authors. Like, just a minute ago, hot reads and fascinating interviews, all while supporting independent booksellers. And one way that you can help us support indies is to buy from them when and where you can, or to visit our own friendsandfictionbookshop.org page. So we have our whole own bookshop on bookshop.org. And there you can find every guest we've ever had, including Brenda Novak's and Alka's books, and also, of course, ours. All at a discount. Yay. Well, you hear us talk about our amazing Friends and Fiction official book club with Brenda and Lisa every week. So make sure you join their Facebook page so that you can be there next month on May 15th, live at 7 p.m. Eastern, when they will be joined by our friend Jennifer Robson to discuss her new novel, Coronation Year. And, of course, we have our Writer's Block podcast that drops every Friday. We'll always post a link to the newest episode on our Facebook and Instagram, or you can find it on all major podcasting platforms. On our most recent episode, Out Now, Christy and Ron talked to Jay Ryan Stradall about his new novel, Saturday Night at the Lakeside Supper Club. Coming this Friday, Ron and Patty will be talking to Zoe Fishman about her book, The Fun Widows Book Tour. So listen, review, subscribe, and share with a friend if you like what you hear. And just a quick reminder of our Friends in Fiction First subscription box from independent bookstore Booktown in Manasquan, New Jersey. Each of the four of us has a new novel out in 2023, beginning with Patty's The Secret Book of Flora Lee in you guys less than two weeks. I bet, Patty, I bet you didn't realize. I bet you haven't been counting. Oh, I didn't know it was one week and six days. I didn't know. And like how many seconds? Exactly. So if you order now from Booktown, you will get signed first editions of all four books beginning with the secret book of flora lee they all ship the week they come out plus the exclusive tea towel that says dinner can wait it's time for friends and fiction find out more at booktown.com and you can also catch us live as a group six times this year so far think we're adding some more <laughs> we're um, starting we're having so much fun we just have to keep going maybe we, you know, we do need the airstream we need it. i know yeah. it might have made sense <laughs> to be honest yeah so we're starting with columbus ohio next week so please come see us and then we'll be in charleston south carolina on may 1st to launch patty's gorgeous new book huntsville alabama on june 6th for Kristen's gorgeous new book <laughs> and then tampa florida on july 20th for my launch Beaufort, north carolina gorgeous on august 1st for a breast cancer fundraising brunch and Darien, Connecticut on October 4th for Mary Kay's launch. So if you follow us on Facebook and Instagram, and if you are subscribed to our newsletter, you have already seen the recent news of our 
fabulous new swag. Um, my hoodie is on the way. But tonight I'm here to remind you that the ordering deadline for these cute new tees, hoodies, and sweatshirts is coming up this Sunday. Post it for you. But act fast and get those orders in now. The tops come in a variety of colors and range in size from extra small to 5XL. So we cannot wait to see you all wearing these out in the wild. Order by Sunday 423 and the orders will begin ship. Oh, they'll begin shipping the first week in May. Psych, oh, I will not. I know something else that's going to ship the first week in May. Oh, wait, uh, what could it be? I can't I think, think of anything that goes out that first. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. <laughs> it's so pretty. <laughs> well, speaking of things coming out soon, not as soon as the first week of May, I'm, you know, but I have plenty of time to get anxious about it. But I would like to tell you about a little tour I'm going to be going on for the Paris awesome. Daughter. So, Sean, can you show my book tour graphic? Ah, so the Paris Daughter comes out on June 6th. And I know you guys are probably leaning in now and you probably can't read that tiny print, but you can find it on my website. I'll be celebrating with these three ladies, as well as Meg and Ron in Huntsville, Alabama on the book's launch date, June 6th. Then it's on to Atlanta, Greenville, South Carolina, Polly's Island, South Carolina, Cape May, New Jersey, Tampa, Orlando, Cleveland with Ron Block, Providence, Rhode Island, and more. So you can find the whole tour at kristenharmel.com backslash events. And one more fun thing to share, you know how we love supporting independent bookstores. We talk about it all the time. Well, if you pre-order The Paris Daughter from any participating independent bookstore between now and May 16th, you will get this amazing tote bag absolutely free while supplies last. So, so you can find the whole list of stores at simonandschuster.com. Um, but you actually have to find the specific link. And it is linked right from my website on the Paris Daughter page. Or it's also on my Facebook page. And I'll also add it to the Friends in Fiction Facebook page tonight. So there you go. The Paris Daughter coming soon. But not as soon as The Secret Book of Flora Lee, which I'm so excited about. Okay, and now we're going to have a quiz on all those announcements. <laughs> yeah, if anyone, anyone who can repeat back the list of cities I'm going to in order wins an Airstream. No. We're going to see, we're going to test your retention of knowledge. But yeah. <laughs> um, no, we are going to get to our next guest. We're so excited, Alka Joshi, and we're going to bring her on, and then we're going to include her in a very special toast. Alka Joshi is the internationally best-selling author of the Japur Trilogy, The Henna Artist, the Secret Keeper of Japur, and the third and final installment in the series coming out on March 28th, or came out on March 28th, The Perfumist of Paris. It's such a lovely title and such a gorgeous cover. It it's is really beautiful. beautiful. Yep. So evocative. Mm-hmm. Um, Josh's debut novel, The Henna Artist, immediately became a New York Times bestseller and a Reese Witherspoon pick. It has been translated into 29 languages and is currently in development at Netflix as a TV series. So exciting. Joshi was born in India and came to the U.S. with her family at the age of nine. She has a BA from Stanford University and an MFA from California College of Arts. Previously, Alka wrote advertising commercials and marketing copy, and she now also shares writing tips on her YouTube channel, which I did not know, but I will now be subscribing immediately. Exactly. Same. So Sean, can you bring Alka on, please? Hey, Hi, guys. Awesome. Oh my God, that, was so, that was so much fun. I loved listening to Brenda. And uh, I don't know if you know this, but my favorite book of all time is Jane Eyre also. Oh. Oh. Yeah, I just I just love that story of that orphan girl. And she had so much uh, chutzpah. <laughs> and, you know, That's she a was a great just, word. Uh, yeah, I mean, I just I, I absolutely love that. And then I gained five pounds just listening to all oh, of right. the food. <laughs> I was like salivating. I was like, what? I need this cookie. I was also like, they'd be rolling me out of that airstream at the end of it. (laughs) Yes. Oh my gosh. Because there's just nothing like a road trip snack, right? And then couple it with all the places. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. I I would never make it. um, And and, you know, I have to tell you, it's on a road trip that my husband and I were on about a year after we were married. We were going from California up to Boise, Idaho. And good Lord. yeah, and, he's, and, you know, so this was like 27 years ago. And he said to me, he said, why don't you uh, tell me about some things, you know, some stories of India? And I started telling him some things. And he said, you know, you should write those down. 
those are really interesting stories. I've never heard anything like them before. And, uh, and I did. And, uh, that, and then I put that away for 16 years and then finally started, uh, up with all of those stories again. And I incorporated them into what the fiction that I write now, but it all started with my husband. It it never, ever fails. And we have more than one guest during the course of the show. We find out these like crazy connections that they have to each other that we had no idea about before the show. Crazy. Alka, right before the break, we had two people on the show that both were beekeepers. Like, what were the odds of that? It was so strange. (laughs) But that's so great. Oh, I'm so glad you shared that. It just kind of shows how all how in tune we all are, you know, with each other. And and I I love that. So Alka, it is so lovely to see you and to have you back on Friends and Fiction. And as we mentioned before you came on, we have something very special. Can you talk special to celebrate tonight? And we are glad you are here to celebrate with us because you're one of our repeat guests, and we know our audience loves you just like we do. Thank you. All right, everyone. So cool. I want us to raise our glass to the third anniversary of Friends in Fiction. Meg, Sean, Joy, there you are. Our first episode, (laughs) y'all. Our first episode. I found the graphic the other day and I texted it to all of you. Debuted on April 15th, 2020. And this little show that could, conceived during the pandemic, has blossomed and grown into this amazing thing with more than 140, we were so excited when we had like 500 members, 140,000 members of our Facebook group, merchandise, live events, a podcast, and a show that gets thousands of views every single week. Wow. So we want to raise a glass to you, the readers who are a part of this amazing community, and to you, Alka, and the other authors who have joined us during our more than 160 episodes and counting. So cheers and happy birthday, friends in fiction. Happy birthday! Christy Harvey, what are you drinking? It looks really good. <laughs> so I have to tell you... Um, <laughs> it it should it, it's actually non-alcoholic champagne, but it's really good. Surely, oh. if you would like to sponsor me, I am available. And it, also, it also it has no sugar, which you know a lot of non-alcoholic wine has, but it's really good. It tastes it's like de-alcoholized champagne. Delicious. I'm gonna check that out. I keep meaning nice. to order it. But you can put anything in this cute coupe, and it just looks exciting. It looks nice. It's true. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> True. A coupe is always a classy idea. Yes. True that. Okay, and now while we have our glasses up, we oh. also want to toast Alka, oh. who's the perfumist oh. of Paris, is our fable pick of the month for April. Oh, true. And of course, you can join us in reading the perfumist of Paris on the Fable app. Find out more at fable.co backslash friends and fiction. Cheers, Alka and Megan Sean. Thank you. Megan Sean, we couldn't do it without you, baby. Absolutely. <laughs> Cheers, everybody. For real. Cheers, guys. Cheers. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Happy birthday. <laughs> All right. So, Alka, we'd love to do a warm-up chat with our guests before we dive into chatting about the book. And since we are celebrating the anniversary of Friends in Fiction, with, which celebrates readers and the power of books to change our lives, I would love to ask each of you a way that being a part of the reading community has changed you. How about you, Mary Kay? I think um, for me, being a part of this community has widened my horizons in reading and in thought and accepting um, divergent ideas and divergent opinions. Um, It's made me, especially during the uh, pandemic, feel not so isolated, not so alone, knowing that I was, you know, a part of a little tiny seashell on the giant beach of readers out there. So um, I think being, realizing that I was part of something much larger has been an amazing experience. Oh, that's such, so well put. Absolutely. How, How about you, Christy? We should have discussed this before because that's what I was going to say, kind of, except not as eloquently. Uh-huh, I got it so first. I'm like, uh-huh. so I'm like, now I need another answer because hers was so good. A tiny seashell. Um, no, but I, I will have to agree, though. I have read so much more widely. I think, you know, we 
you know, through college or grad school or whatever, we, we, we do all this reading and, you know, we're assigned all these things and then, you know, we find something that we like and that's kind of what we tend to stick to. And I think through friends of fiction, I've read so many books that absolutely love that I never would have read. And I do think, you know, kind of echoing, um, what Mary Kay said, you know, books are proven. I mean, it is proven that books do make us more empathetic. They make us understand people that we will never know in real life, that we will never walk in their shoes, that will never, you know, live their lives. I think they make us understand um, other people and their thoughts and their ideas um, in such a larger way. And so that's been, you know, something that I think has always been a part of my life, but maybe it brought that forward in my adult life in a much bigger way. And I'm really grateful for that. I like that. How about you, Patty? I mean, exactly what they said. And I will add, I mean, I've read books I wouldn't have read. I've gotten to interview and talk to authors that I've been admiring from afar. But as far as the reading community in general, I have to say that we did meet some of our readers when we went on the road before COVID, before Friends in Fiction. And one of the things that has really touched me and the power of the reading community has been friends and fiction have almost in a way put a face to who we are writing for. Ooh, yes. good point. Right? Like yeah. it was always this in many ways, a very nameless, faceless reader. And now those readers yeah. have all come together a hundred and 50,000 of them and, and seeing what they read and how they talk about books, this kind of nameless, faceless reader now has this kind of face behind it. And I love that. That is such a good point. And how about you, Alka? Um, I have been really moved by the generosity of readers, people who will take the time to actually write to you, to come up to you at a signing, uh, to DM you because they liked something about the book or they liked something about what you said. And I'm, I, you know, I never, I don't think had, had experienced anything like that before that readers are, when they love something, they really love something and they show us in all kinds of ways. And I just, I love that. And I think you guys are doing exactly that by, you know, uh, passing on your generosity to readers by telling them, Hey, here's a book you might be interested in reading. So I appreciate your generosity too. Thank you. Oh gosh. Thank you for saying that. Well, the, the pleasure is ours. I mean, we're, we're, Nothing. I mean, first and foremost, I think we're all readers and we we get such joy out of finding books we love, like The Perfumist of Paris, and being able to share them and tell other people that they'll love them too. So yeah. um, I think it's just, it, it has given us, as you all said so much more eloquently than I'm going to, um, it's just given us connection. It's it's given us a way to to connect with people and, and in doing so, maybe to learn a little bit more about ourselves, which I hope then we all channel back into our fiction. So, you know, it, it, Patty, you were saying it, it kind of, we now have a face for what used to sort of be, you know, the, the entity, the general entity of readers. But like, to me, they're a part of our fiction now too. They're, yeah. it's, it's, they, they teach us things about ourselves that get channeled into our work. So it's one big happy community that I think lifts us all up. So, all right, enough about that, Alka. It's time to talk about your book, which we're so excited to discuss. Right. This book is the third in the best-selling of her trilogy, which began with the Hannah Artist. Your debut novel, which a little lady named with Reese Witherspoon. (laughs) (laughs) Could you tell us a little bit about this book, The Perfumist of Paris? And what was the original inkling for this idea of Ratha's story here? Ratha's story here. Um, Well, the... A uh, whole notion of the henna artist was a a woman who is suddenly foisted upon this thirteen year old sister she didn't know she had is foisted upon her, and she has to try to raise her. So uh, because that book took me 10 years to write, I had written the forward stories of each of the major characters. I knew where they were going to go, whom they were going to live with, where they were going to live, whether they were going to have children. I had written all of that out by the time I finished uh, the last draft of The Henna Artist, the 
30th draft of the henna artist. <laughs> so, uh, so what I wanted to have happen is that in the intervening 19 years, can we come full circle to that 13-year-old girl from the henna artist who is now 32 and she is uh, in uh, Paris in 1974. She has two young girls and she loves being a mother. She loves being a wife, but there are other things that she also wants. She wants a career. She wants to uh, have something that's just her own that she can excel in and have the time and uh, flexibility to do that. So uh, now she is sort of in the same position that Lakshmi was in all those years ago. She has to fight to do the kinds of things that bring her joy. And I also think that in the henna artist, you know, she was a rebellious uh, teenager. She ended up getting pregnant and having a baby with uh, the son of Lakshmi's closest um, and uh, largest patron. Uh, and so that led to Lakshmi's downfall. And I think I'm also trying to explore in The Perfumist of Paris how Radha has made up for that transgression. Has she suffered as a result? Has she apologized? Uh, you know, is there any uh, retribution, uh, you know, due? So uh, I wanted to, you know, really make sure that these sisters, that their story sort of comes full circle and they have a chance to be together again in the third novel. And let's see where they are with one another. I think it's great that you were able to map that out ahead of time, yeah. um, knowing where Ratha was going to end up. Uh, I don't know that I would have been capable of doing that. I've I know, right? That's out of my wheelhouse. I, I didn't know anything, but I didn't. Also, when I wrote my first, my trilogy, I didn't know it was going to be a trilogy. But you always assume that, right, Alka? No, no, I never knew it was going to be a trilogy. No, no, no. No, because after the first book was sent off to um, the printer, then I started working on another novel, which is going to be my fourth novel. Uh, But uh, one of the characters, the voices of Malik, who is an eight-year-old boy who helps Lakshmi with all of her henna art. Uh, he just came in really strong and he just said, you know, why don't you write my story? Because you have all that information about me that you cut out of the first novel, you know, in all of those drafts. And so I would really like you to tell my story. And I did know so much about him. So that's when I started writing that. My agent took the 20 pages that I had written, sent it off to um my editor and my editor bought it right away. This is before the henna artist was even uh, in the stores or in, you know, in libraries anyway. So then I started working on that book. And then as that one was going to print, my editor said, you know, do you have anything, you have any pages you can share with us? I said, no, I am so busy writing and promoting. I just, I can't do it. And so she said, well, send me a couple of paragraphs. I sent her a couple of paragraphs and then they bought that one before the second one was even printed. So I had no idea that any of this was going to happen, but I am really delighted that it turned into a trilogy because then I did get to sort of say, okay, here's where so-and-so is 20 years later, here's where so-and-so is. And I I think we all like that, don't we? We kind of like uh, the idea of knowing where people's future stories end up. Yeah, I love it for sure. Well, we already knew from your previous novels how well you evoke the smells and tastes of India, but here you immerse us very fully, not just in the intricacies of French relationships and power dynamics, but also in the art of perfume making. So what made you decide to make Radha a perfume maker? And can you talk to us a bit about the research you did to get these things so right? Yeah. Um, So what happened is that, you know, Rabba had been in the first novel very good at mixing uh, Lakshmi's henna paste. And uh, she could make it silkier and finer than anything that Lakshmi could do. And even Lakshmi acknowledged that. So I knew that Radha was going to go into a profession where she gets to mix a bunch of ingredients and see how they interact. She was either going to be a cook or she was going to be a perfumist. And as long as she's in Paris, why don't we choose the more glamorous profession? So, <laughs> so that's, that's what she ends up doing. And I think that because she came from India, she is used to so many scents simultaneously that she can discern. You know, in India, when you go there, you are smelling curry, you are smelling the incense off of the temples. 
you are uh, constantly smelling the uh, coconut hair oil on people's uh, heads and your tuk-tuk driver probably put on too much rose cologne. So you're going to smell <laughs> that too. And of course, there's all kinds of scents, you know, in, in the food that everybody is eating and, and in the, our drinks too. There's a, there's a fabulous drink that is just made with roses and it's just, oh my God, it's so delicious. So uh, I knew that uh, because of that background, she was going to have uh, already an intuition about what goes well together as far as scents go. So that is how she ends up being the perfumist of Paris. Now, to understand anything about perfume, I had to do tons of research because I don't know anything about perfume. I actually don't even wear perfume because I'm a little scared of perfume. I'm scared of like putting something on that everybody says, oh, that smells horrible. You know, why, why does that woman even wear that? And at the, um, you know, fragrance counters and department stores, you know how they're always spritzing. And I was like, no, get away from me. You know, no, I, I don't want any of that. So um, I did this research research where I went off to uh, New York City, New York City. And uh, there was a woman named Ann Gottlieb there who had been referred to me by the producer of that henna artist Netflix series. And he said, you've got to talk to Ann. She knows everything about perfume. So I flew, flew out there. You know, she does. She's just wonderful, wonderful uh, a woman who is behind these major perfumes like J'adore and CK1 and Eternity. And she took me into a major perfume lab so I could actually see what kind of place Radha would be working. She introduced me to a couple of master perfumers whose lives I had no idea about. I didn't know that it took them 10 years to develop a perfume. I had no idea uh, that it took them, um, you know, being able to memorize 3000 cents in their nose in order oh to be gosh. able to, uh, you know, do the work that they do. And that they're chemists. I didn't realize that. I just thought they were mixing pretty fragrances together all day long. So um, so then they said, why don't you go to Paris and talk to other master perfumers? Uh, after all, France is the perfume capital of the world. So I go out to Paris and I talk to those people. And then they said, why don't you go to Croix in the southeastern part of France? And they know the bottling and formulator, formulations and all of that kind of stuff. So I went down to Croix. And then they said, why don't you fly to Lisbon? Uh, there's a couple of perfumers out there that you should talk to. And I think all of this really helped me shape what Radha's life was going to look like, what her perfume world is like, and also how much she has to strive in 1974 uh, in France, when it was very difficult for a woman to even get into the industry, yeah. how hard she has to work as also a woman of color uh, to be able to excel in her profession. Yeah, that's incredible. So did all this research that you did and writing this story, did it change the way that you think about sense and the role that they play in our lives? Uh, I think yes, and definitely um, whether we like it or not, sense will evoke memory. That's really yeah. the job, I think, of sense. Yeah. Um, and so Radha in particular, um, she's trying not to remember uh, you know, the, the, the baby that she had to give up for adoption, but she can't help it. You know, there are things that remind her all the time, a little scent here and a little scent there. And um, it's important for her to not negate that part of her life. And I think this is something that she comes to terms with by the end of the novel. Sure. Yeah. Do you have a favorite scent, like a, a favorite floral scent or food scent or something that well, evokes for yeah. you? Yeah. Yeah, for me, it always has to do with the sense of India. So uh, sandalwood oil is um, something that, you know, we use all the time in our uh, temples because it's a very calming and soothing scent. That's definitely something that you want. The second scent I really love is cardamom. And uh, we use that, of course, in our chais every every day. Uh, so you want to use a little bit of cinnamon, a little bit of cardamom, uh, some uh, cloves, and some uh, black pepper. Mm -hmm. And uh, so to me, cardamom is that whole thing about, you know, what a chai is about. But also we use it a lot in our sweets. So, um, you know, uh, all kinds of sweet treats are made with cardamom. And there's this wonderful ice cream that is made. It's called kulfi and it also oh. has cardamom in it. And it's just, oh my God, it's just delicious. Now I'm getting five pounds just listening to myself. I was going <laughs> to say between you and Brenda, good I Lord. Know. Oh my goodness. <laughs> oh my gosh. You know, I was um, in my first life, I was a nurse. And when you're a nurse, you're not allowed, you're not allowed to wear perfume because it might, 
you know, it, it could be offensive or, and so I just have, I'm like you, Alka, I've always been scared to pick a, a, a scent, a, like a signature scent. Um, somebody's asking on here, what are the author's signature scents? Mary Vasquez. <laughs> I'm like, I, I soap? <laughs> because I've always been kind of afraid to wear perfume. Okay, but back to your book. Although it's set in 1974, this book really tackles a topic that still feels really relevant. And that is the balance within a marriage between a husband and a wife. Yeah. So can you talk about writing the dynamic between Raha and Pierre as she comes into her own yeah. Um, I think, uh, you know, the question you asked earlier about how our readers and uh, all of this world has changed us. Well, readers and friends really contributed to my understanding of this world where we have mothers who love being mothers, but they also want something of their very own. And why is it that um, it is always the mother's responsibility when the child is sick. It's her responsibility to sort of stay home from work and take care of that child. Why is it automatically assumed that, let's say, if the in-laws are coming to visit, that it is the wife's responsibility to make sure that, you know, the house is clean, make sure that there's enough food and, you know, what are we going to eat the whole time? Um, why is it always uh, assumed that a woman has these certain roles. The only thing the guy ever really has to do is take out the trash and bring home some money. <laughs> um, and, and so I think that because I've heard that over and over and over from uh, friends and then from readers, I wanted to uh, have Radha deal with these same kinds of uh, issues herself. In 1974, she's dealing with them. And I think the question I want to ask is, are these still the same issues that we're dealing with today? The answer yeah. is yes. Yeah. And so in the mm -hmm. intervening 50 years, what has changed? Um, I think that women are allowed to be in the workplace in lots of different professions, but they're still expected to have that job when they come home, the job that says, yeah. I have to take care of the rest of the family. Um, and of course, I'm saying that's not fair. It's not right. And what are we doing about it? So... Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, I'd like to read you a couple of the comments that are coming through. So Lisa Harrison, who runs our book club, is saying Alka's hair is beautiful. I thought you might appreciate <laughs> hearing that because we all had to talk about it backstage. We yes. all agree with Lisa. Yes. Um, Sharon Carlson Person is saying, Alka, you have the best jewelry. I love it. <laughs> and Diane Clark is asking if the books in the series can be read as standalones. Mm. What do you say to that, Alka? Yes, I wrote them as standalones. You can always uh, read them separately. I think the experience is much richer if you read them uh, sequentially. But yeah, you could read The Perfumist of Paris and never have read the other books and you will totally understand what's going on. In yeah. fact, I really hope that what people will do is to uh, listen to the audiobook at the same time that they read the book. Um, because there, you know, a lot of um, readers are not aware of how things are pronounced in Hindi and okay. the Perfumist of Paris also has a lot of French words. So um, when you listen to the audiobook, and I have such a fantastic narrator who does these books for me, um, when you listen to the audiobook and you read uh, the book along with it, it makes a lot more sense and you can sort of hear the characters' voices in your head. Hmm. Absolutely. All right, Alka, before we let you go, where can our viewers find you on the road and online? I, I know I know your book came out a few weeks ago. I'm not sure if you're still touring at all for it, but I, I know um, certainly you and I have done events before. I, I know you're always great to catch live on the road. Well, um, I, my book tour is almost over. I have uh, two more events left. It's been an exhausting month. <laughs> I'm really tired and I wish I had an Airstream, you know, to drive around. <laughs> Um, but I am off to Europe for the next month to oh. do research for book number four. So that's taking place in Delhi and also in Prague and in Florence and Paris and Barcelona. So, uh, so I'm going to be researching <laughs> for most of that month. And, uh, so then after that, I am back home again and I would love to resume all of the Zooms that I did. I've done like 900 Zooms so far oh, with book wow. clubs, 
Yeah, uh, for the um, from the last three years because the first two were published during the pandemic, so I had no option. But now I've sort of gotten used to the zooms, and I love doing them. I just love it. I just love it. So, yes, you can always find me at alkajoshi.com, and that's where I have posted all of the events that I'm involved in. Wonderful. Well, Alka, thank you so much for being with us tonight. We loved the book. Um, And gosh, if you need for assistance on your research trip, we we're really good at like writing things down. And you know what we're really good at is is, I was going to say trying the food and then reporting back. We'll we'll all volunteer. All right. Well, thank you so much, ladies. I really appreciate it. Kristen, Christy, Mary Kay, and Patty. Thank you so much. Love seeing you, Alka. Love seeing you. All right. So you can find all of our back episodes on YouTube. We will be back here next week with Jocelyn Jackson, though sadly our friend Brenda Janowitz, who is supposed to be with us, will not be able to join us due to the unfortunate, uh, very sad death of her mother. So we are all sending thoughts of peace and love to Brenda and her family. We hope you'll consider picking up Brenda's book, which is new this week, and she's not able to be out touring it. Um, It's a great book. I hope you'll think about doing that. And we are looking forward to seeing all of you again next week. So thanks again to Brenda Novak and Alka Joshi for joining us tonight. And we will be back here in just a minute for a short after show where we will probably be drinking more champagne, alcoholic (laughs) and non alcoholic so fill up those glasses and we will see you in about 30 seconds ah what a great show huh she was amazing they both were amazing they both were amazing and so different but always a little tie between you know Yep, definitely. I love those overlaps. Absolutely. Well, I would love ladies to spend a minute talking about what we did over the break. And in fact, let's bring Meg on for this too. Sean, would you mind bringing Meg back also? Fantastic. All right. Hey, so Christy, <laughs> I know you took a fabulous trip that I think made us all very, very jealous. Can you tell us about what you did? <laughs> Gosh, it was so fun. So it was Little Will's spring break and we went to St. Lucia with two other families. Um, we just we had the best time. And I will have to say, and y'all know this about me. I am not a person that goes on vacation and doesn't work. Like I just, I haven't done it in years and years and years. And I really, truly like completely just unplugged and didn't check emails and didn't like do anything. Um, just had vacation and it was really, really fun. And that's why I'm drinking non-alcoholic champagne because we had too much <laughs> of the real thing for <laughs> That's awesome. But no, it was, it was, it was beautiful. It was so fun. The kids had a great time. The adults had a great time. And um, the people were just so kind, great hospitality and wonderful food. And, um, and the beaches were just phenomenal. So it was great. It looked so beautiful. I can't say enough good things about it. Meg, what about you? What did you do over the break? Boy, the last couple of weeks are kind of a blur, but I think yeah. like most of the country that my break started with watching a lot of basketball. Oh, yes. <laughs> um, Gosh, that yeah. feels like ages ago though, doesn't, doesn't it? it? Like, I know. The yeah. final four was crazy. Yeah. The women's basketball was phenomenal. Um, I did a really fun Friends in Fiction Live while we were our first yeah. dark yeah. week with Brenda and Lisa and Ron, which was great. And um, even though we were dark on the show, um, it's it was a super busy time for me, friends and fiction wise, yeah. over the past couple of weeks, just getting ready for the new season and communicating with all our upcoming guests and planning out the schedule and getting the graphics squared away. So um, it's been a lot of work, but I did have a nice Easter with the fam, and um, you know we're doing construction at the house, which is finally finished, and I'm finally getting rid of the respiratory crowd I seem to have picked up on my Italy trip. <laughs> last month <laughs> but um yeah I mean this, it was an it was a nice break it's hard to believe it's been two weeks I know oh, right? yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah who's about, next how about, who wants to go how, how about you Mary Kay <laughs> well we um spent a week the Easter week um down at Tidy at Eptide with the family and uh the miracle of Easter happened two years in a row we all got to mass on time <laughs> Um, which is a true miracle, uh, had gorgeous weather until, um, Saturday, Easter Saturday and Sunday. So the kids had an Easter egg hunt in the house Oh, <laughs> and then Tater found the plastic eggs that the kids didn't. Oh, <laughs> Tater. Tater. And then I did an event, a book signing with our, with our pal, Colleen Oakley, Coakley. And it happened that Patty was down 
and she came over and we all had a fun, we had a fun um, pre-event lunner, which is lunch and dinner together (laughs) (laughs) and met Colleen's mom and sister who were delightful. And then Sunday I had a great library event in Anderson, South Carolina. So, and then, you know, trying to write a, Freaking book. Yeah. Oh, I'm so you were so close. No, I am not so close. I love no, seeing your pictures. Um, freaking is what I'm saying. I love seeing your pictures from the event in Anderson as you got together with so many of the friends yeah, and, oh, yeah. and no, um, community yeah, members. Yeah. Um, Anissa and uh, Don uh, and Marissa and Sarah, who are all part of the Friends in Fiction uh, official book club. We had a fun brunch together before my um, before my Sunday library event. So yeah, it was a lot of fun. It's awesome. Oh, that's great. Yeah, it's one of the reasons I'm so excited to go on the road with you guys because I feel like we're going to see so many of the people who we really you know, haven't seen in person for for a long time. For a while. Nice to, yeah, yeah, it'd be nice nice to see those people in person. Well, um, I had an exciting day yesterday. I mean, I, as you all know, I basically have spent the last months like mm. just doing cancer treatment, and um, and the last four weeks, time wise, were the most time consuming because I had radiation therapy every single day for four weeks and it's across town like on the other side of downtown so it was a 45 minute drive there and a 45 uh, minute drive back so it was just a big I mean in addition to just being physically something that you know you have a lot of fatigue from because your body's going through this trauma it was just a big chunk out of my day so I just have been so out of step because of that like I feel like I'm behind on everything but yesterday was my very last radiation therapy treatment. So I am done with my cancer treatment. Um, I, like it feels Bring so like weird in the answering that, that, but it's done. To that. And, um, cheers. Yeah, yeah, cheers, cheers to that. that cheers right? to that. Cheers, yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, it, it'll be, I've got a, uh, I, there's more to do, but the treatment phase is over. So um, I'm really looking forward to getting you back to bell. normal. You rang the I, bell. I, I, yeah. I rang the bell and, and I'm, I'm looking forward to getting back to normal again um, and, and just beginning to feel like myself again. I, I feel like, I feel like within a couple of weeks, I'm going to be feeling normal. So, um, so I'm really looking forward to that. But speaking of things that happen in just a couple of weeks, Patty, you were on the home stretch for the secret book of Flora Lee. It is out in less than two weeks. So how are you feeling about it? And how's the final prep for the release going? Okay. I'll talk about that, but I have to say that I keep thinking about that old song, Ring my bell. Do you remember that song from the seventies? Ring my bell. bell. Yeah. Ring my bell. bell. Ring a ling a ling. Um, and wait, 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 where were you guys yesterday when I needed you to serenade I me know, right? out of the cancer? <laughs> well, if you had just put us on speakerphone, we would have done that. <laughs> we could have done it. Who did that, that Kristen? You have handled this treatment with such grace and aplomb, and you literally haven't missed. One show, one beat, one anything. So we are here hoping that this final treatment, nothing but healing from here on out. I I appreciate Um, that. Let's be honest. I've missed a few beats, but thank you. Thank you. We haven't noticed any that you've missed. If you missed a beat, we'd missed our own. So it doesn't matter. (laughs) Thank you. Um, Yes. The home stretch. We are one week and six days. There's, there's a, there's a strange feeling when there's nothing left to do. Um, and you're just waiting for pub day, um, except for pack and write my speeches. And if you follow me on Instagram, I posted a picture of an incredible miracle, which is that I've already packed the first 12 days in, in the, I'll post it again, but it's been really great. it's a thing of beauty. I have how, to say. How big is the suitcase? I didn't see it. Is it? Did you? It's a did you garment rack. They're just hanging. Oh, okay, rack. okay. Oh, everything's okay. in its own zipper bag. I love how we're With telling a the label story for, you, for the I, event. I can't <laughs> comprehend it. It's so good. <laughs> I could have probably written a short story in that time. But anyway, um, I'm feeling really excited. I'm feeling 
really excited. Some amazing things have been happening. My tour is done and dusted, and I'm gonna can't wait to see so many of you in Charleston. Um, final prep is ready. I was in um, Florence, South Carolina yesterday and signed thousands of copies at mm. Books a Million, and it just got me so excited for for this story that I have been holding on to for so long that is finally here and getting to to put my name on it. So. Thank you everyone out there for all your support and the people who got lucky enough to get advanced copies that you've been so kind. Um, I feel the energy. We're one week and six days out and I can right. feel and it if you, in Let me just interject here. If you want an advanced copy, you need to post a review. <laughs> yes. A review on Goodreads, on Amazon and BNN.com. All the things we need those reviews. Five stars only. <laughs> Five stars only. Yeah. yeah. And, and also, you know, as we always remind you out there, um, if you're going to buy a book, if you think you're going to buy the book at some point, it really helps if you buy it as a pre order or the first week because those first week sales, which include those pre order numbers, really set the trajectory for the book. They have to do with, yeah. you know, how stores restock, how store, how the publisher reprints, like so many things are decided in that first week. So if yeah. you think this is a book you're going to purchase and you're thinking like, oh, I'll get to it down the road. Like, obviously it is. Obviously, Obviously. How, how how could it possibly not be? But um, but it it you know I, I do hope you'll consider pre-ordering it or buying it the first week, which mm -hmm. also the first week happens to be happens just about be. a week to a week and a half before Mother's Day, and it's a fantastic Mother's Day present. True. So yep, yep, exactly. So yeah, you know, so, you know what I always say. <laughs> oh boy! Yeah, go for it. <laughs> no, Mama, don't Which... want another box of dusting powder. <laughs> oh, I thought it was going to be buy her book, damn it! No, buy <laughs> my book, damn it. Thought it was too. Well, that too, but yeah, your mama don't want a box of candy, some ratty ass candy. Your mama, <laughs> you know what she wants? She That's wants right. this with yeah. a big green ribbon on it. Right. Look how pretty the real copy is, y'all. Yes, it has this sparkly candy. blue river. Oh, yeah. the river is foiled straight. Your mom up. wants yeah. that sparkly blue. Oh, Patty, that, your that mom is wants that river. Yeah, yeah. your mom would want no gas station roses. That's true. <laughs> well, I'm excited that everyone's going to get to read this book in just a couple of weeks, less than a couple of weeks. And um, I'm excited that we're going to be together a couple times in the next couple of weeks to celebrate. So yeah. that is it for us tonight, folks. Remember that if you are anywhere near Columbus, Ohio, all five of us, plus Ron, will be live at the Columbus Metropolitan Library next week. So make sure to grab your tickets and meet us there. And in less than two weeks on Monday, May 1st, we'll be celebrating the launch of Patty's The Secret Book of Flora Lee, live and in person in Charleston, South Carolina. So wherever you live, make sure to pre-order Patty's fun. book now. And we hope to see you on the road next week or the week after. Good night, everybody. Good night, everyone. Bye. Thank you for tuning in. You can join us every week on Facebook or YouTube, where our live show airs on Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern time. Also, subscribe to our podcast and follow us on Instagram. We're so glad you're here. Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.